you guys, and welcome back to Baby Shroom Pod, a podcast where I talk about whatever I'm interested in. And sometimes I have some amazing guests on who are my incredible badass friends that I want to share with the world. Um, So this week, my very, very good friend Sarah is joining me. Sarah and I have known each other for a lot longer than I realized because it feels like we were in college 10 seconds ago, but um, it's been seven years already, which is crazy. Um, Sarah and I both did cultural studies at UNM and we met when we were both kind of contemplating our um, own religion and where we fit in the world. And Ironically, by starting off knowing each other as very religious people, we were able to have some very deep, thoughtful conversations because the pressure of spreading the word of our church was lifted and it opened us up to more possibilities. So that's a long-winded description of our relationship, but um, she's just such a fascinating person and I thought I would share one of our conversations with you all. Um, we were talking today about cults and not just uh, religious cults because that is a form of it, but the idea that there are many, many, many different kinds of cults and the ones that we can accidentally find ourselves in without realizing and how being able to talk about them more openly actually gives a place for victims of cults to feel like they belong in the real world and successfully transition after leaving the cults. Um, So anyway, I hope you enjoy. I definitely want to talk with Sarah again. Uh, So please let us know in the comments if there's anything specifically you'd want us to talk about or what your experience in any of the cults have been that we describe, because I think you'll find the description for a cult is a lot broader maybe than you had originally thought. So, enjoy! So, hi Sarah. Hey, Monique. (laughs) Um, Thank you for being my guest. I think you're my third guest, but Sarah definitely said yes like three weeks ago (laughs) when I first started the pod, so thank you. Um, Sarah and I have known each other for a long ass time, since like 2013. Does that sound right? That's when I started college, I think. Yeah. Wow. That went by so fucking fast. I know. Sarah and I did undergrad together. Uh, We both studied anthropology. And then I went forward to do film and... Did you end up getting your bachelor's in anthropology? I can't remember. Yeah, I did anthropology and international studies. And now you're in um, you're in school right now. What are you in school for? Getting my master's in counseling. So that's exciting. Exciting. Did you? um, I can't remember. Did you say you're taking classes this semester or this quarter? Yeah, I'll take them in the spring. I'm I'm off on winter break, but yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh right. I know you get this beautifully long winter break. It's so nice. Oh, it's so nice. Oh my gosh, it's my yeah. It's the best break of the year. Mhm. Yeah, it would be really cool if 
the U.S. schools could somehow adopt like the year long system because I think it'd be better for the kids and their development but also it works with the longer breaks and then yeah we can be more of like a community with our kids I think that would be such a good idea yeah um so how has your break been good it's been pretty yeah pretty slow you know lots of long walks with our with our pup so that's been really nice it's been grateful to have more time to spend with him yeah, I bet your pup's feeling like in heaven. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, you know, he's a quarantine dog. So it's like, <laughs> he just has a completely different idea of how the world works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I went in the other room to get ready in the bathroom and our girl cat Scully was just crying and crying outside the door. I had to let her in with me while I got ready because now she's not used to being alone ever, which is going to be interesting when we go back to work. Yeah. I know. I, yeah, I, I, wor- I worry. I think like Dan and I's schedules are flex- flexible that like we'll be mm-hmm. able to kind of stagger a bit mm-hmm. so he won't be alone too long. But uh, I know they just like think that we're here all the time now. <laughs> it's they're like, they're like babies who they're yeah. with their mom or their dad all the time. And that's like, okay, time to go to school. Like now you're old enough to go to school. It's like, what? Right. No, this isn't the deal. <laughs> This isn't what I signed up for. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to talk to you about cults specifically. Mm A, because I find us talking about them all the time, just casually anyway. Because I think we're both very interested in them. And then B, any of our own personal experiences with ideas of being like disconnected from reality by a a specific group. Yeah. And then see how we're seeing cults in different ways in the modern world, like QAnon being mm-hmm. like a political digital cult. Yeah. And what that looks like moving forward in the future. Yeah. Um, so I first became interested in cults when I realized I may or may not have been in one <laughs> in the sense that I had no idea of myself outside of this religious idea of who I was or what my life was supposed to be. And it's been many years that I've slowly learned how to um, listen to myself and know what I actually think and um, be able to ask myself those tough questions when I'm trying to come to a decision instead of relying on somebody to just tell me the answer. And so it's just put me in this place where I like to study these movements in general, just to, I don't know, make sense of it, even though the unfortunate thing is most of the time there's nothing to make sense of. It just is an unfortunate collection of unfortunate situations. But um, what kind of draws you to learning about cults or having studied them before? Yeah, I think a similar background, you know, I, th- I think whenever I read about a cult, um, like in the news or I listen to a podcast about a cult, I, I can fairly like easily see myself like winding up in one. And I, mm-hmm. yeah, the same process of believing something. So, oof, is this a word? I'm going to use it stringently. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then kind of slowly coming to a realization that the world may not be what you think it is. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating mind fuck to go through for yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's left me, you know, forever interested in that process. And why do you think that it's so easy for people to be drawn into it? Because for you and I, it's Mm -hmm. very obvious, but there are a lot of people out there who cannot at all comprehend why somebody would be drawn to something like that. Yeah, you know, I think it's maybe a judgmental response. Um, I would say if you do not understand how someone could be drawn into a cult, you're maybe not examining your own beliefs, like harshly enough. Um, I think we all believe. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, I think we all believe things. You know, we all have our deep-seated, like, biases and um, you know, foundational beliefs about how the world works, um, Mm -hmm. that I hope, (laughs) like, I think we all should examine those a little more and hold them up and kind of, um, get outside of them and, and see how they may be harmful, um, to ourselves and to others. I think that's, that's why people have become so, there's a hit, there's, okay, how do I say this? There's a section of society right now that is so open to examining themselves and willing to do that internal work so that we can see change on a structural level. And there are others, you know, and I'm speaking in a sense that we're so alone right now and we're isolated in our homes and we're getting versions of the news depending on what you watch. Um, and then there's there's other people who are becoming even more entrenched in those ideas because it is extremely painful to examine that part of yourself of like, is this thing that has protected me and kept me safe for so long actually a good thing? Mm-hmm. Especially if your whole like community is based around it, you know, it's even scarier to try to think, is this good? Is this actually helping people? Um, which, you know, is the power of the cult, making you isolated. And and I say cult and people think of like a religious drinking poison Kool-Aid cult, but mm-hmm. cults are everywhere. It's right. capitalism is a cult that we've all agreed to. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think it's funny sometimes, and I think this is probably for legal reasons. Like I always, if I see a podcast about cults, like I'll listen to a couple episodes because I just am mm-hmm. fascinated with it. But you know, a lot of them will begin with kind of like the disclaimer of like, this is what we believe a cult is. Mm. Um, yeah. And I like along the lines of what you're saying, I, I think we can broaden that term. Mm-hmm. Like, I really think cults are, are so like ingrained in our society and we oh, yeah. have aspects of how we operate. That's a little culty. <laughs> a little creepy yeah because we think it's intricate uh it's a uh, not intricately but it, it's inherently tied to religion it's not yeah. you can completely be in like a political cult and not even realize that's what you're doing it's this idea of like sacrificing the self for the betterment of the movement whatever said movement is mm-hmm. um and i well oh, i was gonna say why I often think people are so drawn to it and why I have found myself in those situations too is because I don't think people realize what you'll do when you feel alone and desperate. I don't think like people realize that that's what cults 
are doing, um, like gangs are doing, political Mm -hmm. groups are doing. They're finding people who are extremely vulnerable and looking for safety, whatever that may be. Yeah. And in that vulnerable state, you can be convinced of a lot of things. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, like the hierarchy of needs. I think cults kind of get us some of those base needs. Mm-hmm. Um, because we all do want to like, we do want to move on from, yeah. nobody wants to be dealing with hunger every day. Right. <laughs> um, right. And so to have just like an established, like I go to this place for a meal a couple times right. a week. Um, right. You know, I know that the people from this church will drop something off if I say I need it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it, it's interesting just like how how our basic survival in a capital like in capitalism requires mm-hmm. us to align ourselves to some kind of uh, exploitative organization to survive. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. That's something I was I've been wondering about kind of like leading up to this conversation of if we were in a society where our basic needs were met, if there was a universal base income and there was free healthcare and uh, more of an opportunity for kids to attend higher education because they don't have to pay for it, would these kinds of groups exist? And if they did, would they have as much power as they do? Or would people actually have a dignity of being a living human being to make decisions for themselves based on how they actually feel, not based on these like basic needs. That's such a good question. I don't know the answer to that. And I definitely think, I mean, there's a reason why those basic needs are not given to us because people in power need to have some kind of leverage. But I think it's a conversation we are going to be exploring hopefully moving forward when people are given basic dignity and basic honoring is like a living person in America or frankly, any country, you know, um, it's just very interesting. It's like these things I would have never considered probably pre COVID or I would have thought of, but not like I've been able to apply it to a real situation. Yeah. I, I, it's really interesting because I, you know, I wonder, I think maybe where, what I could see happening is there was like universal basic income um, mm-hmm. and a stronger like, social safety net. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe cults would still exist, but like people would have less reason. Like yes. they wouldn't have as much power. Yeah. It's more people, were, people who are going to be in it no matter what would probably be the ones in it and not so much this like desperate group of people who then get trapped in it because they don't have another option. I mean, that's the whole point of it is they take you when they can try to deprive you of an education and give you the education of the cult. It doesn't matter if you're a kid or an adult as an adult, you're still constantly learning. Yeah. And then your job is working for the cult. So then you have this huge gap in your life in the real world. How do you make it if you leave? you know? Absolutely. And the crazy thing is people in society, when you tell them that you've escaped a cult and you're ready mm -hmm. to rejoin the world, they think you're crazy because they're like only insane people join cults. Actually, it's incredibly common. Yeah. 
I'd like to hear more of like your, like what's, what's your story um, of like escaping Coulter? Oh, how do you see it in your life? Um, well, definitely I was, um, I was Catholic for a chunk of my life and then my family left the church and then we were kind of nothing. And then I was going through an extremely dark and difficult time as a teenager, very lonely, needing family support, but not feeling it with my own and just looking for somewhere where I could belong and somewhere where people wanted me. Not to say that my family didn't want me, but I felt like a pressure of a version of me that they wanted, do you know? Which any teenager feels. And then I was kind of invited into a Baptist church and slowly I kind of recruited my whole family to the church because I felt like, well, I didn't feel like I was told that it was my duty to, and then built an entire identity around it so much so that by the time I was 18, I was much angrier and insecure and lost and confused than when I had started because it was my whole world. It was my, all of my friends. It was all of my social activities. I didn't get to really have my own independent thoughts because I would have to ask for approval to do anything from like leaders in that church. And I'm not saying that's how all Baptist churches are, but my experience was by the time I felt confident enough to leave. It was like, I didn't know how to have private thoughts. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to ask questions and not be afraid. Um, And it was like totally like a rebirth for me, at least. And it's been, it's taken many years. I mean, I'm already almost 30 and I left like five years ago. And I feel like I have finally fully come back into my own self. Um, When I first started yoga, I think that was a really big part of the healing process because I found like the community I'd always looked for since I had left the church, you know? And um, it's just strange how quickly you can lose your own identity for a greater purpose and cause. And then you lose what you could be successful at because you're trying to serve one purpose. Like I probably never would have started teaching because that wasn't like my calling or my gift. Um, And I feel stupid calling it like a cultish experience because of all of the cults I've actually read and studied, but I don't feel stupid because I think if more people were honest about their experiences and what they needed, we could give them those supports which, without them feeling like they have to turn to these institutions to, to protect them. But I think it's really scary to talk about it. And people are embarrassed to talk about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's such an interesting perspective that you spent like some of your life, um, you know, outside of, of the Baptist church that really like, you know, instilled a lot of beliefs in you. Um, And you maybe had like a pre-Monique and then like during and a post. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, you know, you say like, oh, I, I'm not sure if I should call it a cult, but I think just the fact that you have that, like that market trajectory in your life, mm-hmm. or like my thinking, my course of who I was as an individual mm-hmm. redirected by something other than myself and other than like life circumstances, right? Like right. it was actually an entity that was collecting money from you, collecting time right. from you and collecting service from you um, mm-hmm. to build itself into a larger entity. Like I, I think all of that really can classify as a goal. God, that is a really good way to put it. And I've never thought about it that way, but you're right. Like you, I entered this place that was outside of myself and it totally encapsulated me. And then I was in that for a really long time and terrified to leave by the time it was time to go. Yeah. And it's like the things that they teach you to say to yourself it takes a really long time to work out too. Oh, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) I hear that. (laughs) Yeah. Which is, I think that's the biggest part of what people don't understand. And I also think it's a gap we have with people who are in abusive situations is it's not like you want to be there entirely. A part of you does, but mostly you've been taught to think so much in a way that you deserve to be there and that anything that happens wrong must be your fault you know and it's that slow degrading of like your own self-talk is how you stay in these situations for so long and don't even realize that's what you're doing absolutely just like anything like be it a person or an organization that can teach you to to analyze yourself in that way Mm -hmm. in a way of am i Am I good enough? Am I following the rules enough? Am I mm-hmm. doing enough? I mean, I see it, you know, I see it in diet culture on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I like struggling with disordered eating. I, I've seen that in myself just from, God, following like weight loss blogs and mm-hmm. personal trainers on YouTube. Like it's just that is enough like it's so simple to fall into an idea like an ideology of like every day all I am about needs to be about yes meaning this higher purpose or larger picture of myself I think that uh, bringing up diet culture and like exercise quote health it's Mm. not really health culture Mm. oh my god it is such a cult and it's like makes so much money off of making us miserable where if we were actually healthy and actually taking care of ourselves we'd be incredibly happy and nobody would want to take our money for it yeah yeah um you know what actually let's pause for a second i'm going to start a new recording and i want if you don't mind sharing more about that experience i think that is such an important like just totally normalized cult that we all accept and all like buy into it and for the some of us who are finally on the outside of it a little bit and are like, Jesus Christ, right? that is not who I want to be anymore. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let me pause it and I'll start another recording. Okay. Okay. So um, Sarah and I were just saying when I was setting up the next recording that I love having this pod and just talking with people about like 
the different things we enjoy talking about just naturally. And Sarah and I have always talked about like cults and religion and different affects of culture because we studied culture together in undergrad, undergrad. And I can't help that. That's just like what we like to fucking talk about. We would sit on the bus after being in school all day, or we'd be walking to the car at like 930 in the sketchiest parking lot in a very sketchy town talking about cultural studies. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting looking back. I think we are both kind of wrestling with like religion at the same time. Yes. And yeah, it's interesting to think back on like how our, like what we were studying and what we were talking about kind of like mm-hmm. helped us maybe take the steps we needed to in our own lives. Yeah. Cause that's actually like how we met on the bus talking mm-hmm. about religion. Mm-hmm. It's just funny. Cause I, Obviously, we knew each other on, like, a deeper, more, like, on the human level. And we've always had that part of our relationship. But it's been so interesting to see how we've both changed since then. Because we were in, like, this pressure cooker of life experience in college, you know. Mm -hmm. And then we both left and we're like, oh, my fucking God. We have to go into the world now? Like, what what do we fucking do now? (laughs) You know? It's been interesting. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud of both of us of how we've like, we've carved out our own way and just, yeah, you know, I think back to, I think, especially the year that we both met each other. I remember being like much more like my mindset. I don't know if you were thinking this way. Mm -hmm. Mindset was like, I need to protect my religion and I need to protect my faith against like liberal secular people. Um, when we went yeah. to a liberal secular school. <laughs> yep. But no, I completely understand what you mean, which is the yeah. interesting part about all of this, which I also don't think it's talked about, is like, you don't, they're like, well, why don't you just leave? Or why don't you just change your mind? You don't get a second to ever think about it because mm-hmm. your constant waking thoughts are, how do I spread this? How do I make sure more people are a part of it? Because if I don't, I'm not doing my job because that is that that's taught is your job. And if you should be ashamed, if you try to do anything else yeah. instead of recruiting people, that is crazy. You know, I, I look back and I think, you know, going to UNM was very helpful. I'm really glad mm-hmm. that at some fucking point in my life, I had education that was not dictated by the Christian evangelical community yeah (laughs) um but also just like I you know moving away for a period Mm -hmm. I don't think I could have I don't think I could have left the church had I not moved out of the states for a year and Mm -hmm. had a year away from everything Mm -hmm. and I don't know been able to like make mistakes and realize that it wasn't the end of the world that you actually aren't going to get smited by God on the right. spot. Yeah. It, that's why, too, the strength and the power of whatever cult is, is to keep it as insular insular as possible, to consume your thoughts as much as possible. So if you ever think about something that's not of the cult, you feel so ashamed, you go back to it. And that's yeah. true for, like, religious cults, political cults, diet culture. I yeah. mean... You feel like this overwhelming disgust and shame for yourself, which are the words they teach you basically for not staying focused. Yeah. Yeah. 
correct. Like I just, I use the word mistakes and I'm thinking that's like, that's a word that I was taught. That's not actual, that's not actual, mm-hmm. like what happened. I had life experiences. Um, right. But that's You just something, lived like anyone else. Yeah. But like those, that taught language, I don't know if that ever goes away in a lifetime. I'd like to think yeah. it does. I don't know enough love to study but like the language we're taught about worldview and how to see ourselves Mm -hmm. I really wonder can we relearn it like can we reshape those things or are we always grappling it with it for the rest of our lives yeah sorry go ahead oh just uh, yeah it's it's constant for me is like the the correcting Mm -hmm. of my own language is Mm -hmm. I think I don't know I'd like to get to a day where I'm not like oh I don't really mean that Mm -hmm. It's probably good. makes me stop and think about what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, that is a part of just life experience and growing is that hopefully you grow out of those habits, you know, and Franco and I were talking about this morning, actually how this new generation, they will have new things to grapple with that I'm very grateful. I don't have like creating your entire sense of self from social media, but they also have things that they're not going to, fight within their own head that we do like um you know like the women's scarcity complex when you're in a job and so you kind of turn on each other because there can only be one woman who does well and like you're set up in a way to compete against each other you know um that's not as common now and hopefully gen z won't have that really at all i hope or maybe the next generation won't have it at all of like there can only be one. No, there can be many of us and we're better if we work together. Yeah. You know, a pocket of Gen Z that I love um, is like the anti-MLM Gen Z. What's that? Like the multi-level marketing, like um, Mary yes. Kay or like, yes. yeah, they hate it. and Which I, is good. They go hard <laughs> against it. And I'm just, I'm so proud of them. <laughs> Me the too. Because it's like a disgusting, gross, weird cult-like thinking it's so cool like it's so yeah. it I mean you are basically told you'll never make any money and you still yes. you still do it in the hopes that do. one day you'll make money yeah. it's crazy so like stuff like this in future generations they won't even think about this shit I mean they'll have other stuff to deal with and I don't envy them but it's very interesting how it might not change in our lifetime, but by us being willing to talk about it, we at least get the ball rolling. Do you know? Yeah. And it's kind of scary. There are some cults that are active right now that I want to talk about, but I'm too Mm. scared to talk about them. And I'm like, that's my hang up of not feeling like brave enough to do it. I'll talk about other stuff. I'm too scared to talk about a few of them because they're crazy and they will go after you because they have like, untaxed money they can do whatever they want to whoever they want I mean god if I think like if I would love to see something eh, there's a lot I'd love to see change never Mm -hmm. mind but god I'd love to I'd love to be able to have taxes on mega churches and on yes (laughs) cults like yes if you're owning land to a certain extent, I don't think you should be tax exempt. Right. Or continually investing in more and more property, like right. buildings and land. I agree with you because like, now you're, unless you're opening those buildings for homeless people to live in or to make like soup kitchens, mm-hmm. then you're just 
you're just making money in the state in the name of religion but you're not providing anything bigger to society yeah and like we have pastors of megachurches out here Mm -hmm. like wearing their like I don't know thousand dollar sneakers like driving benzes and and the people who come to their church are starving Exactly. And you I have, 100% agree with you. And you have to follow certain, like they will say, oh, we give away this much, but you have right. to follow certain rules to get those things. Yep. And one of those is that you can't have X amount of money based on like what you're getting in. So that's why they buy property so that they can still keep that money and make more money off of it, but it's not sitting in their bank accounts. I mean, uh, if that's not a Ponzi scheme <laughs> or multi-level marketing, I don't know what is. That's literally what it is. They're CEOs who just talk a lot. Absolutely. They're and like, oh my God, the like level of just like, I don't know. It 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 makes me so mad. I I don't know if you've seen the stuff that's been going around about like Calvary and legacy here in Albuquerque. Yep. I I mean, they both received over a million in like in PP. I forget the acronym. Anyways, un- mm-hmm. unemployment for COVID loans. Oh um, and how much are their people suffering? Their well, churchgoers not. Off. They oh. both laid off staff, and that they still received so those loans. Over disgusting. a million. You can't pay your staff with over a million. No, because it's for them and their continued opening of churches where they're like look at us we're expanding and you're helping doing god's work but nobody is benefiting from those buildings opening because you're not hiring people or if you are you're letting them work off of like um, their own dollar you know you're letting them just volunteer you're not opening the space to like people in need or who need shelter you know yeah oh it makes me so mad and then you know you're driving up the case rate Mm -hmm. services so you can continue to collect tithing it's Mm -hmm. it's just so sad because I know I've seen myself and I've seen my family in the situation where you just so desperately want hope you're Mm -hmm. so desperate for hope that you're willing to support these people who don't actually fucking care about you because if they did care they would be providing more services to you. And I will say in like smaller churches and community churches, that is the case. They're doing the work that these mega churches are supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I would not ever say like, Oh, there's, there's no reason for churches. I think they serve a purpose. I Mm -hmm. think there's a lot of good that can be done. And when they're Um, actually helping the people that they say they are there to help. It's like these million dollar mega churches with CEOs as pastors. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like the selling of the selling of the Christian lifestyle, I think is Mm -hmm. what gets really scary is like when you've got like a, I don't know, like a Hillsong, you know, Mm -hmm. Justin Bieber type religion that it's is very weird yeah and at a certain point it's like you're flaunting your wealth yeah While it's like saying you're serving others right it's like capitalism and church ultimately tied together because that's also the goal of capitalism of like mm. well we have this system because it protects you and it protects the individual and it it keeps you safe and it keeps your small businesses safe and we all know during covid times that's bullshit We've all, like a lot of us have thought that, but I think many more people who believe that don't believe that anymore. Yeah. 
Because if that was the case, the small businesses would be doing great right now because they're the ones that are being supported, but they're the ones that are clothing. Yeah. And like the reality is we're not going to lose a single church to COVID. We will right. lose restaurants, mm-hmm. you know, we'll lose bars, but we're not going to lose a mega church to COVID. Yeah. We're not going to lose a mega church and we're not going to lose like Amazon or these billion <laughs> dollar companies or Walmart. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Uh, so um, just because I want to make sure we circle back, God, yeah, this is yeah. interesting conversations. This is yeah. just so people who are listening, this is just what Sarah and I talk about in general. <laughs> so we'll like text for a while and then we'll send voice memos sometimes. And then it'll be like, well, can we have just like a four hour conversation about cults? Is that cool? <laughs> so <laughs> this is why I'm like, I have to have Sarah on because this is just how we talk in general. Um, I want to just circle back to diet culture. Mm. as a cult yeah and how it accomplishes basically the same mind control yeah that religious or political cults do yeah i mean this is all this is all me speaking from like personal experience Mm -hmm. um definitely something i'd like to become more knowledgeable about but i you know diet culture really can strip you of your beliefs mm-hmm. about yourself. It can strip you of um, coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. pretty healthy coping mechanisms. Um, you know, it can strip you of ways of finding comfort and like oh, establishing yeah. a sense of security can take away like connection to cultural ties and like mm-hmm. cultural food and experience with like with your parents and with your Mm. grandparents and like that community tie-in. And it really reduces you down just to an individual who is competing Mm. against a set of beliefs that are no way like dictated by your body type, your Mm. health history. Science. Um, (laughs) Science. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's women and men online telling you how you should look and what you need to do to look certain ways. Based on their body type and their experience, which I would yeah. say most of the time, those people are not very healthy either. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you, you know, I have this weird habit of like looking up people on Instagram that I used to follow years ago, you know, like mm-hmm. they'll pop back into my head and I'll be like, well, what happened to them? And I'll look them up and, you know, like, from the period in my life where I followed like exclusively, you know, wellness mm-hmm. influence. Big air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> wellness. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely air quotes, wellness. Um, how many of them have said like, Oh, you know, I'm, I've been struggling with disordered eating. Mm-hmm. Like I have just come out of, um, you know, like an intensive care setting. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was selling you a lie that I had also convinced myself because somebody else convinced me I needed to be this way. And, you know, I think it's so successful because it starts so young. And that's like what, when a lot of cults are successful, when they can bring people in when they're vulnerable and then have their children raised in the church or bring in teenagers who are already vulnerable. But the younger you start, the easier it is to create new pathways in the brain of how to talk to yourself. Mm. And then you don't need them abusing you because you'll just abuse yourself. Oh, absolutely. And that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's any, like any cult, as long as you can 
you can integrate those rules in a way that you're like applying them to yourself and you're Mm -hmm. regulating your behavior and you truly believe that like, ah, it's for the greater good for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so frustrating. And Mm -hmm. I I mean, I think, I think it's really important to talk about how it's rooted in white supremacy too. Like Mm -hmm. OG America cult, bringing it back. Um, Yes. But yeah, like it is absolutely a white supremacist ideology of, of how bodies work, mm-hmm. <laughs> of how lifestyles work, how- And how all bodies should look the same. And yeah, lifestyles, that's such a good point. Like mm-hmm. you all should make enough money to be able to have this ultra healthy lifestyle, which mm-hmm. we're dying from, but we're going like, to sell it to you that it's true health. Yeah, and like- who cares if you've got your single mother of three kids mm-hmm. and you're what's your school? excuse yeah, yeah you should be waking up at 5 a.m and going for that eight mile run like yep you've got it, to make the sacrifice and this goes back to if people could just have lives of dignity where they could have free health care mm-hmm. and mental health services and a universal based income they could actually take care of themselves yeah. And in, in a genuine, healthy way, but we're treated as machines mm-hmm. who make products and we are a product ourselves that we must make presentable for the world. And if you can't do that, that is your fault entirely. Yep. But ultimate cult-like thinking. That's the whole goal of a cult. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting how you like tie it into capitalism. I, I don't mm-hmm. think I've thought about that enough because it really like once you can turn people into producers mm-hmm. like, who are completely disconnected from their work mm-hmm. and that that is encouraged there's only the select few who can do what they actually love and the rest of you be disconnected from the self and just do a job to make a living and if you're lucky yeah. you can have a job and have time and energy for passions like I love education I will always probably be in education but I do love art and art makes me really happy I don't have kids So I am afforded the luxury of being able to create art. What, suddenly you have a kid and now you can't have a life? There's no life of dignity, you know? Mm -hmm. Oof, man, it's so interesting, like, on so many levels, just the way of, like, oh, any of your... Your ability to attain happiness needs to be tied to your worth. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on one second. I'm You're good. sure you can hear my neighbor. <sighs> Is he having a jam session? Proud of him. He's revving his car right oh. outside my window. Oh. Okay, that's... good. He's leaving. Sometimes he'll stay there for like 45 minutes just with his car on. And I don't know what the hell he's doing <laughs> in his car. I think car culture is also, well, there's good car culture. Yeah. I mean, I can tell that that is like the love of his life, his car. And he spends a lot of time working on it and investing into it, which is for another discussion. If you're interested and we can talk about car and Chicano culture. Yeah. Because I think that is such an interesting thing. And every time we bring it up, people are like, I never thought about that. You know, like the lowrider culture. We can talk about that another time. Yeah. No, I I absolutely. You know, Dan works a lot in like um, pedestrian advocacy. Like, mm-hmm. and like biking advocacy and just like mm-hmm. 
you know, sometimes the behavior that comes up around that of like, oh, like, you know, like let's reduce the speed limit. <laughs> like the way that people respond to it is so right. culty. Like we have to right. be able to go fast or we'll never get anywhere. You know, I was just reading this. It's a lady I felt, and I feel bad. I can't remember her name. Her name is Danny, but I can't think of what Danny Olaf. That doesn't sound right. It sounds like I made that up. But this lady I follow on Instagram who's a cyclist, mm-hmm. and she was writing about some of her experiences on the road and how insane people are that they will purposefully speed up right next to her or check her with their mirror or like purposefully put her life in danger for no other reason except they don't want her on the road that is so crazy to me that you can be so disconnected from another person when you're in a vehicle yeah yeah it's so you know it's there's so many parts of our lives like that and you know you have this side where I you know car culture is really beautiful and Mm -hmm. like going to central on a Sunday and like seeing the low riders is Mm -hmm. a really cool thing Mm -hmm. like then you get like the like I don't know you know what I think happens I think in that kind of in that kind of circumstance you're building yourself around the um the culture of the community and then when you take it to the other extreme you're in the culture of the self which is a weird cult mindset that we have as capitalists is the devotion to the self. And that's kind of the idea of like, you know, we're saying in the church, you can't have normal conversations with people because you're constantly thinking, okay, when can I invite them to church? Like you're not Mm -hmm. even listening to them because you're like, I can't think about anything else except getting them to my church. It's that kind of mind thinking, but you're, it's about the self of like, okay, when's the next thing I can do for myself. And that's like, especially with the internet and like instant delivery and stuff, it's even progressing more of like the worship of the self and not the community. I'm so, I'm so guilty of that. The, the DoorDash has been. <laughs> oh, it's real. This <laughs> and that's okay. DoorDash is kind of complicated because a part of you is like, what am I doing? I, I have to have something out at a restaurant. Yeah. But then you're like, but I could buy somewhere local. And mm-hmm. this is somebody's living to do DoorDash. Yeah. And I can tip them well. And then you don't feel as bad, but it's like this weird, you don't know if you're on the right side or not, but you try to make the best of it. Right. And there, like, there are so many moral ambiguities in life. Mm-hmm. Like, there are so many things where it's like, well, it's not like, I, I don't know. I would, it's not easy to figure out what's a good way to behave as a human. And I think that's Agreed. why, like, I think that's why there will always be cults. Like there mm-hmm. will always be people searching out something to tell them what to do. Cause I will say it is a relief to have somebody just tell you, like I tell Franco, I've been out of the church for like five years and I have to make decisions for myself. Mm-hmm. And it takes me so long to actually reach a decision mm-hmm. because I got used to someone just telling me how to think for like, even when I wasn't in the church and I was still kind of religious and reading the Bible, like you just get used to somebody telling you how to think and feel. And it's so much easier that way you think it is. And then you get out in the world and you're like, Oh, I'm so free to be me. Oh my God. Now I have to decide shit. Like it's on me to figure out if I'm doing it right. And sometimes I get that draw of like, Oh, it would just be easier if I went somewhere and they just told me what to do. But then I have to snap myself out of it of like, I don't want that though. I'd rather struggle and have to figure it out on my own, but it's tough. It really is. And yeah, I, 
you know, just finding what I like is still something I struggle with. Like something so simple. Yeah. Like music wise. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you looked at my Spotify, like I think, God, I'm 28 now. I probably last stepped foot in a church. Like I went to a Unitarian church a couple of times, but Mm -hmm. before that, like an evangelical church. Oh, how old was I? 20. Yeah, I was 25 probably. So it's just been Mm -hmm. years. But Mm -hmm. my Spotify since then like would look schizophrenic. Like (laughs) trying to figure out what (sighs) kind of music I like that isn't Christian music or like Broadway. (laughs) You know, that's just so... Moral gray area. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny how easily we'll accept that somebody's has left a church and it's best for them and their personality changes and it's really hard for them to, but I don't think people realize how hard it actually is. But then we look down on people who leave cults, but Mm. it's the same thing. You leave like a mind control situation and then you're like, now I have to rediscover who I am. What do I want to do for a living? What kind of music do I like? Where do I want to live? Like you have all this choice now. And instead of making those people further feel like they don't belong, and then they'll probably end up going back to the cult. We should embrace like, oh no, that's just what it is to be alive. None of us fucking know what we're doing. It's not like perfect lifestyle that we like present on Instagram or like social media where it's not really like that at all. It's all just like a fucking mess and nobody knows what they're doing. Yeah, it's so true. And it's, you know, I think there's many areas of our life where we're like continually going through almost like an adolescence like I think Mm. with our sexuality Mm -hmm. like you know like you have a period of like stability of like Mm -hmm. oh who you are and and like what's working for you and then you have to discover yourself again and like I think it's the same with beliefs and worldviews and and leaving the Mm. church but man is it does it feel like actually like being back as you know a 13 year old you know like trying to just figure out where you fit in and and make friends mm-hmm. and discovering the world like for the first time and you're kind of naive because but you're not naive because you know better but at the same time you don't yeah because it's like oh, they, they told me so many lies about the world but then some of it's like really fucking true do you know yeah. and it's trying yeah. to figure it out yeah, yeah I think figuring out what will actually harm you is such yes. an yes. interesting like because some of it does harm you like mm-hmm. oh my god I absolutely like first leaving the church definitely uh, I don't like the word abused I definitely overdid it over, yeah I overdid it with alcohol yeah. like Same. definitely yeah. was consuming more than like maybe I needed did it mm-hmm. serve a purpose in my life sure like definitely give it honor for for what it did at that time but like it also negatively affected me. <laughs> yeah, because you're going through being a teenager all over again, where it's like all of these rules you have, you can break them, and then you're like, oh, okay, I need to set some rules for myself, <laughs> it turns out. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't have to be so restrictive that if I do this thing, I'm going to die. Right. Yeah. yeah, and, like, that that dichotomous thinking, I still, I'm still really working yes. through that. But it's just way like, more gray than we think. Oh, absolutely. Like... All of it's in the gray and yeah it, it makes it so much harder you know when I see people that are like coming out of cults and they're like testifying mm-hmm. you know like oh 
like I know some like when some of those testimonies it's like I get it's it heartbreaking like, yeah I know because you can tell that they're embarrassed and yeah. they're like I don't want to share this but I know I have to and I get it because I I get the feeling of being embarrassed because you get out of it and you're like how could I have not seen that's what it was but it, you weren't you you were a conditioned prisoner of war version of you and not yourself. And you can't judge yourself for not getting it in the way that you would get it now. Do you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's so scary to, Mm -hmm. and you do, like you do open yourself up to a whole lot more. This is me personally, again, you open yourself. I've opened up myself to a lot more struggles with my mental health yeah, or maybe just acknowledging them. I would definitely say anxiety and depression have been there, Mm -hmm. but like the door opened leaving the church. Like, because you had something to completely a hundred percent distract yourself and Mm -hmm. envelop yourself in. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately by doing that, you're kind of traumatizing yourself more for the future and you just don't know it because you're just trying to survive. And then you're out of it. And it's like these, yeah, these floodgates open of like, oh, here's all this stuff that I thought went away Mm -hmm. while I was distracted. Or I thought I had solutions to, like, I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought Mm -hmm. a prayer, like praying, or I thought like I had people that I could go to for this. Um, And that's why it's so attractive. And uh, honestly, I'm like, I'm never going back, but there are moments like this, like you're saying mm -hmm. where I'm like, Maybe I should. There's like, you know, it just pops up once in a while. And then you have to be like, shh, no, 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 no. You go away. We're not doing that. But it's really hard to like in really desperate situations, convince yourself like I can figure this out. (laughs) I'm going to start going to therapy or I'm going to start talking more openly about it. Or I'm going to stop saying this phrase to myself that the church taught me to do that I'm finally realizing is not my own thinking. But it does make it much more complicated. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, you know, there those moments of like, oh, maybe life would have been simpler. Mm-hmm. That, but it wouldn't be my life. Mm-hmm. It'd be somebody else's life. Yeah, I mean, it would be, it'd be past Sarah's life. Mm-hmm. And, oh, sorry. When I was in um, therapy talking specifically about this, um, she would always tell me like, why are you being so hard on yourself? I want Mm -hmm. you to say this scenario out loud as if it's happening to another person. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to, to respond like, what would you tell that person? And my response would be completely different of like, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. You were just a kid. Mm -hmm. You didn't know any better. You were just doing your best. It's okay. And she's like, now you have to believe that you have to internalize Mm -hmm. it for yourself. Cause if you just go off of talking to yourself, like you were so stupid, why did you do that? Blah, blah, blah. It gets you nowhere yeah Oof, that's a good that's a good exercise it is very helpful for sure you know that's something I never I never came across in the church was self-compassion agree um because you were always the problem right yeah mm-hmm. you know and I there are things that I belief is good you know we can mm-hmm like study people and say like uh you know like people who have religious beliefs you know like are doing better in these ways 
for X, Y, and Z reasons or whatever. Right. And I, I think that, you know, belief is such like powerful cultural ties and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I think it's, it's an important part of life, but yeah. if we could, in, like, if belief could integrate self-compassion, yes, um, particularly in like the Christian evangelical setting, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, just, you know, like the, the evangelical setting is so like, I don't know if it was similar in the Baptist faith, but it was like very like, uh, you know, rigid. Yeah, very rigid, very like mm-hmm. you're a sinner, you know, like yes, you'll never be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only way to be good is to do these selfless things, mm-hmm. but you yourself will never be enough. Yeah, you need to do X, Y, Z continuously to be enough, mm-hmm. and that in itself is diet culture, it's mm-hmm. political cult culture, mm-hmm. it's capitalism to mm-hmm. a T that you're never enough. You have to do X, Y, Z, and you need this guidance because you can't figure it out on your own because you're stupid. Yeah. You know, it's it's so frustrating, like, looking at, you know, maybe things I still struggle with. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is not a decision I made for myself. Like, I did not, yep. you know, I was, I was born into a Christian family, so, like, yeah. I didn't choose, I didn't choose like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone who joins a church does either. Like they don't choose. Life kind of chose for them. Yeah. Like they don't choose to have that self-doubt planted, but the churches yeah. go about doing it. That's um, actually interesting. I talked about it in my last episode, well, two episodes ago with my friend. We were talking about horror movies. Mm-hmm. Why were we talking about it? Oh, we were talking about like, serial killers and like people who can do like heinous acts whenever you like get down to the root of why they do it there's some underlying abuse Mm. there's some cycle of abuse that they have just been a part of and it's like unless there's an intervention do they have any chance of being normal quote quote normal you know um and it's not always. There's sometimes there's just a mix up in the brain and the right. brain's wiring. But then it's like, yeah, the decisions were made for them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh, that stuff is so hard, too, because, you know, you look at someone like, I don't know. No, I don't even need to do that. But like you look at people that had horrific childhoods and Mm -hmm. you wonder like oh could religion have been something could joining a very like fundamentalist almost like you know these are the rules this is how you behave could that have helped them maybe it could some of these people yeah I'm not saying I'm a murderer but (laughs) the point I was in when I joined the church I was about to go down a path of abusing drugs and alcohol probably mm-hmm. and being in an abusive relationship I was already starting to set that foundation at like 13 because yeah. that's all I knew yeah. and the church did really save me from that in the sense that it I think it was about to die, 100% isolated me so that I couldn't do that and I felt morally ashamed of it and so in that sense I am grateful but also I mm-hmm. think like would there have been any other way for me to learn that lesson instead of now having like this moral dilemma of not 
looking compassionately on people who are in those situations. Because it's not like anybody starts abusing drugs and alcohol and looking for abusive relationships because they're in a good place. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I... On some hand, it's like... Sorry, go ahead. I'm listening. I'm just looking for my charger. Go ahead. Like, growing up in a very, like, conservative circle like something I heard a lot was like oh like we don't need big government because that should be the church's job and like people only want I forgot about that yeah like people only want a bigger government because the church is failing um to serve people you know I don't I didn't see those people saying that turning around and doing a whole lot either so you know that's a funny actually can you hold on one second let me grab my treasure yeah yeah That is so funny because one of the principles of a cult I will not talk about because I'm too scared of them. Oh no. Is the idea of making any government agency or oversight as the enemy so that you don't have to answer to anybody. But then they're not turning around, like you said, and helping anyone. No. But they don't want the involvement of government. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because it's like they, on some level, the church does serve that purpose Mm -hmm. like I have seen like and I think from my own like my parents too like you know my mom came from you know a a rough childhood and found Mm -hmm. the church is kind of a way of like this is gonna show me how to raise a family and it's gonna provide me a direction for raising a family that I don't have from my own experience right and in that sense too the church definitely helped my family financially Mm -hmm. and social emotionally Mm -hmm. and did do a lot of helpful things it's just was it worth it right and the the interesting thing is i'll never know right i can imagine all the alternatives and in a sense i'm very grateful i found it when i did but what has it served me outside of that moment in time you know it's interesting yeah you know and i i really like i really like an ideology of like honoring like honoring your past and like honoring mm-hmm. the past you've taken um yeah and I'm trying to do that like with religion is like oh you know like it gave me this and it gave me that skill set right. struggling with a dichotomous thinking like that can be difficult to do <laughs> <laughs> um but it's not all bad yeah I mean- and- I think my wealth of compassion and how I use it for my kids is what I intended to use for my religion, but it's Mm. better served here. But I didn't know I was capable of that before the church. Does that make sense? Or how to, how to um, channel it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, just you saying like, as a, as a kid that you knew you needed, like, you need a different direction and you were able mm-hmm. to seek it out and find it for yourself like that's so incredible like as a 13 year old being able to make that decision mm-hmm. um yeah I don't know like that's really brave and they oh. like to have to like give up things for it too you know that's exact. this is exactly what I'm saying is if we could talk about our our past self our child self as a mm-hmm. person outside of us we really see it for the beautiful thing that it is of just 
making the best out of a not great situation. Absolutely. And I think if we were more, if we could tap into that more often, we could yeah. honor our past because that was us just yeah. doing the best that we could. And that doesn't mean it's all horrible. Yeah. Just doing the best that we can. I would love to talk to you for like 10 more hours. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't do the recording past a certain point. <laughs> like, but Zoom actually has rules. <laughs> but also I'm still, um, you know, trying to make space and time and money for this that I don't have, but I want to. Yeah. But um, I, God, that was like uh, a lot more to think about than I, that's like not at all what I thought we were going to talk about. In the best way possible. We always do this. Like I love no. conversations, just like deep dive, like <laughs> where it's like, do you want to just get like a casual pot of tea? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> Never. You know, Never. you were kind of you were probably the first person I met who wanted to talk about this stuff. Because mm, yeah. when we met at that point in life, we were still pretty fucking young. Mm-hmm. And we were both still very involved in our churches. And I didn't know anybody who wanted to like talk about this stuff. And we were both going to school. So it was like, we had this backdrop for our conversations, you know? And that's yeah. funny how after all this time, that's still what we do. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know, yeah, I, I definitely don't know if I, like, I don't know if I'd be where I am today. Like if we hadn't had those conversations. Yeah, I think so too. Cause it was the first, you know what it is? It was a space where we both felt like there wasn't a pressure of talking about religion because we we're both in it already. So it was like, we could have normal conversations mm-hmm. about things that were interesting outside of the church. And I don't, I don't think I would have ever done that otherwise yeah. because it would have been with somebody probably who wasn't religious. And so then you add the pressure of having to talk about religion. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so interesting. And especially like, yeah, being in the environment where I think we were both like taught to think we were kind of threatened, like our faith was threatened. Yes. We were able to, to like dissect it from the inside Mm -hmm. and not be alone in doing that. I think was so crucial. Or feel like scared to do it. Mm -hmm. Like that's the other person was going to freak out or something, you know? My dog just decided to lay down on the computer. Oh, you want to join us? His head is huge. No, he struggles to keep it up sometimes. (laughs) Because he's still like a pup with this ginormous noggin. (laughs) Like if you put your hand out, he'll just rest. Like he's always looking for somewhere to just like relieve the weight of his head. That is so funny. Well, Sarah, um, I love you so much. I actually think it'd be really fun to do another conversation about this because we could have talked for like four more hours. Absolutely. Anytime. I so letting me pester you. Uh, No, of course. Of course. I'm so my goal is with this pod is to have like a rotating group of like these badass, amazing women that I love and to just share what we just like naturally fucking talk about because it's it's interesting I think it's so interesting and there's like each person I talk to we have like a different specific perspective on something you know yeah I I listened to the one on I think you were talking about it the horror one I stopped when Mm -hmm. you started talking you started talking about Midsummer because I still need to watch it oh I don't want to know because I did spoil some stuff (laughs) um but yeah it was really good and then yeah oh good I'm glad you liked it yeah Sammy's 
she's fucking cool. I just watched a movie with her and Macy who do the Who Knew podcast last night. Mm. We're going to record about it next week. I don't know. I have to look at my calendar. But um, I'm glad you like that one. Yeah. They've been, it's really cool. And I'm so proud of you for like making the time this year. Oh. You're such a badass. Thank you. You too. That's why I want to talk to you. Because <laughs> I want to share you with the world and our ideas. And I love you so much. And I'm very excited to do another one. Absolutely. Well, I love you so much. That school goes great tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you. Enjoy your puzzle. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us through that conversation. I hope that something we spoke about resonated with you, either in your own personal experience or in an educational way. Obviously, Sarah and I are not experts, but we've had our own experiences. And I think something really important moving into modern time is that we're more honest honest and open with each other about our experiences and things that don't work out in life and still how to learn and grow and make the best of it. So I really want the conversations on this show to be in that direction. Um, Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I definitely want to have Sarah back on because we ended up talking for a while after we finished the recording because we can't help ourselves. We're just um, very interested in this conversation. So if there's something specific you'd like to hear us talk about, please let me know. Um, Thank you all for listening. I still can't believe that I'm doing this and I still can't believe people want to listen. It means the world to me. And I hope to bring you some more interesting episodes Um, now at the tail at the tail end of 2020 and the start of 2021. Let's see what happens. Um, Until next time, this has been Baby Shroom Pod. Bye.